Because who's in you? Jesus Christ is in you. Maybe he wants to get out of you today somehow. He wants to express himself somehow out of you today, okay? So I believe the Lord always responds to, to uh, what well, he responds to himself. Amen? That's who the Lord really responds to. He responds to his spirit. He responds to his self. When he sees himself, he responds. And, and uh, so turn, turn in your Bible to Matthew 11 this morning, and I'm going to read this to you and talk to you about something that's really good, that really bless you, I believe. Matthew 11. Everybody knows this scripture. Very good. Matthew 11, verse 28. It says, uh, this is Jesus talking. It says, Come to me, all you who labor and are, are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Amen? Now, the Lord uses some words here that bothers has bothered me before. He used... This word rest. He uses this word easy. He uses this word light. And the reason they bothered me is because when I looked at my Christian life, those were not characteristics of my Christian life. I'm just going to be really honest with you. Y'all mind me being honest with you? My, my Christian life was not marked by rest at all. My Christian life was not marked by an easiness and a lightness. It was anything but that until recently. There's a scripture, Psalm 1611. It says this, You will show me the path of life. In your presence is fullness of joy. At your right hand are pleasures forevermore. Pleasures forevermore. Well, this is what I really begin to ask myself. I ask myself about that scripture. Lord, where are the pleasures? Where are the pleasures? Didn't you say in John 10, it says, I came to give you life and life more abundantly. Where is the abundant life, Lord Jesus? Why am I not living this abundant life that I believe the Bible uh, most adequately describes that the way the Christian life should be? And not only am, am I not living it, but why do I uh, stand in front of people pretty, pretty regularly and look into the faces of people and see in people the same issue that I saw in myself? Is I didn't see rest. I didn't see... Uh, they, they saw their Christian life as being something light and easy. I saw the opposite. And I see that not just with, with us, but I see that with many people. And so I really begin to really ask the Lord and seek the Lord about this thing. And, and I prayed a prayer. And I prayed a prayer. It's out of the Bible. It's out of Ephesians where Paul said, uh, I pray that the eyes of your understanding may be enlightened. The eyes of your understanding may be in light. And I, I prayed that prayer because when I read it, I may, I may repeat myself today. Is that okay? I prayed that prayer, and I said, Lord, I didn't even know my understanding had eyes. What in the world is this? I didn't really even ever realize. I've read that scripture many times. And the Lord said to me, that's your soul. And what Paul was praying for, he was praying for revelation to be released into the church at Ephesus. And I realized there was areas of my life that I had a lot of information on. Um, because, honestly, I could teach on that scripture. Uh, Come to me, all you who are labor, and have taught and taught on rest. But this is what I did. I taught 
uh, I gave information. And I think information is fine. I'm going to give you information this morning. But information does nothing but educate us, right? And being educated is a good thing. And, edu- and But all education ultimately does for us, it informs us, right? But here's something. Revelation transforms you, right? That's the difference between revelation and information. We need information. I'm going to tell you this. I can listen to a good, you know, Bible-based preaching and teaching, and it always affects me. It always washes me. Whether I feel like I get anything out of it, I feel like it can just re- it refreshes me. It washes me. It takes things off of me, and I and I'm I embrace that. And but I also believe this. I believe there's revelation that what God wants to give us that will not only just refresh us, but actually transform our lives. That's what I'm going for. I'm going for this transformation. And I feel like recently God spoke to me something. I mean, really, that's really transforming my life. And it is not anything new. That's the crazy thing about it. It's not some new, secret, dark, hidden thing. It's something that's always been there. Actually, to tell you the honest truth, it's something I preached on in the past. And I really went back and looked, what did I teach on this? What did I tell people on this? Then I didn't get it myself. Is I've missed this thing. That's the way I really feel. I'm just being honest with you. I have been in the ministry for a few years now. I've been a Christian for 25 years, and I have missed something in my life, I feel like. And this thing that I missed, it's almost like there's this piece of the puzzle that has been placed into my life that all of a sudden there's this connection with all this stuff, and now I, I can understand things from a whole different perspective that I've never understood it before. And now when I hear stuff, I see it from my hear it in a completely different way. And, and honestly, when I sit around, I've been sitting around talking to Becky about it, it makes me excited. It makes me want to get up and go and tell everybody about this thing that God has shown me that, has, that is doing something to me, and it's not something I've got to drum up. All I've got to do is start thinking about it, and it excites me. You hear what I'm saying to you? And that's what God wants to do. He wants to transform it. That's what revelation does to you. It'll cause a person to go out and just say, I just found out that Jesus loved me. When a person has that revelation, they want to go tell everybody. And people just sort of look at them like, well, I already knew that. You know? But just, do you hear what I'm saying? And I believe this revelation on the grace of God that God has given me, it's like this, this door has been opened to me. And all of a sudden, I've walked into this room, and I realize, wow. Look at this room. It is full of wonders. And honestly, my Christian life went from basically a person who labored and strove all the time into one I'm just, I feel excited about my Christian life. I feel excited about the Lord. No wonder we don't want to witness the people. You know that? Why a lot of us don't witness, even though we know we're supposed to? We're supposed to tell people about Jesus, but you know what? We're thinking deep down inside of us, we're thinking, oh, man, there's not much difference between me and you. I'm just going to heaven, and I go to church, you know, but I'm, I'm really not that happy of a person. I'm really unfulfilled in my life. And I'm going to tell you about this Jesus that's supposed to fulfill you and help you. All I can tell you, yeah, you need to, because just in case you will step out in front of the bus and get run over and die, at least you won't go to hell. You hear what I'm saying to you? There's something that will... I believe that God will release into your life if you, if you really get revelation that it, you can't help but tell people about Jesus. You know, you want to tell them about Jesus. He's a different man all of a sudden. You want people, hey, I can tell you about this Jesus. He's wonderful. He's a wonderful Jesus, and this is what makes him so wonderful. 
So um, the Lord recently asked me, I was in a prayer meeting, and he said, if you could start over this church, what would you do? That's the question the Lord asked me. What would you do? And I, and I knew the answer. I didn't, you know, I knew the answer. The answer was this. I said, Lord, if I could start over today, I would make sure that this church was established and rooted in the grace of God. And the Lord said, well, why don't you do it then? That's what he said to me. So I'm starting over. I'm starting over. That's the way I feel. I am starting, and this is a new day for me. This is a, a new life for me. I've, I've left the life that I was, was living, and I've come into something new, and I believe it can change your life. Now, if God doesn't give you a revelation, you need to ask him, Lord, open the eyes of my understanding. And I can look back over my life over the last year, and I can see how God's been setting me up for this. I mean, it has been a divine setup. I can go back and say, oh, now I know what you was doing. You know, now I know why this happened to me. You know, because God was leading me to a place where he wanted to release light into my life that I had never had before. And it's wonderful. It really is. So I want to talk to you about this. I've been talking to you about it the last couple of weeks, like I said, but I've sort of just sort of uh, scratched the surface. You know, I just sort of gave you an overview, what I call I didn't really sit down and try to figure out now, Lord, how does this thing work? Now, I want to go back to the very beginning of this. Because remember, I'm trying to establish us in grace. So I want to go back to the very beginning, to the very start of it. So, And that's found in the very beginning of the Bible. So turn, into, turn to Genesis. And, you know, you know, may the Lord give you revelation. May the Lord give you revelation. You may not be able to communicate it, but who gives a rip? You know, you know, it'll come. But let's go back and read in Genesis chapter 2, verse 8 and 9, first of all. Are y'all okay? It says this in verse 8, Genesis 2. The Lord planted a garden eastward in Eden, and there he put the man whom he had formed. And out of the ground the Lord God made every tree grow that is pleasant to the sight and good for food. The tree of life was also in the midst of the garden, and the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. There's the beginning. There's two trees in the garden. There's the tree of life. There's a tree of the knowledge of good and evil. Let's read verse 16, 17. And the, Lord commanded, and the Lord God commanded the man, saying, Of every tree of the garden you may freely eat, but of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil you shall not eat. For in the day that you eat of it, you will surely die. You shall surely die. Not you will surely die, but you shall surely, surely die. So there were two trees in this garden. There was a tree of the knowledge of good and evil, okay, and there was a tree of life. All right, the tree of knowledge of good and evil, this is what it's all about. It's about right and wrong. You got that? Good and evil, right and wrong. It is about, it's the rules tree. That's really what it is. It's living by rules. It's the tree of doing. It's the tree of trying, okay? Are you with me? It's the tree of morals, morals, right morals, wrong morals. Really, the source, it is the very source of legalism and law. That's what that tree is. Okay? And this is what that tree will stress as a Christian. This, stress, this tree stresses our dedication for God, to God for what we can do for Him. That's what this tree of knowledge of God It's what we do for God. That's what it's going to stress in your life. You got that? Real important. You need to get it. Then there was this other tree. 
It's called the tree of life. Everybody know what the tree of life represents? It, it, yeah, it's Jesus Christ. There was Jesus Christ in the garden. It's the tree of relationships because it's a relationship that God wants us to have. It's a tree of trust in Him, not trying to do something for Him. It's a tree of truth, and I believe it's a tree of grace. Right there in the middle of the garden, it's the tree of grace. It's, this tree is not about right or wrong. It is not about right or wrong. It's not about morality. It's about righteousness and godliness. It's what it's all about. It's not about what we do or what we do not do. And that's real important because we live our lives. Every one of you in this room, you live by, a lot of times we eat, we eat the fruit off this tree. And because we eat the fruit off this tree, we live by a, a code of conduct, a set of values. I'm talking about Christian values that are really not even biblical at all. God never called us to live by a code of conduct. He never called us to live by what's right and what's wrong. See, when we're asking the question, am I right or am I wrong, we're asking the wrong question because it's not about am I right or wrong. The question really is, am I in the Lord? That's the real question we need to be asking ourselves. Because if we're in the Lord, we are going to do right. It's not a matter of anything else. Now, turn over to uh, John 15. Hold your, hold your finger there. Put your bookmarker. That I got you. I got you a bookmarker. You can use it. It's called The Exchange Life, The Divine Exchange. It's got the cross in the middle. It came from Derek Prince. It's really good. So you can use it in your Bible this morning. Turn over to John 15. And let me read to you about John 15. Two trees in the garden, okay? John 15 describes the, the tree that we want to eat from, verse 4. And I'm going to tell you something. This was been, John 15 has been one of the most perplexing chapters in the Bible for me ever. I could never figure out this John 15 thing, okay? Because it says this in verse 4. Abide in me and I in you. As the branch cannot bear fruit of itself unless it abides in the vine, neither can you unless you abide in me. I am the vine, you are the branches. He who abides in me and I in him bears much fruit. For he is cast out as a branch is withered. Everybody say withered. Withered. And I really feel like that has been a description of my Christian life. I've been like this old withered up guy. Honestly, that's how I've been. I've been like this withered up old Christian. You know, just withered up. There's not any real life in me. Where's the life, Lord? I've done all these things. Because I was eating from that tree that stresses doing and trying. It stresses that. It says, do these things. And that's when I would read this word. This when I would read when it said, abide and find this word, I think. Practically, what does that mean? Practically, it means this. Read the Bible every day. Pray every day. Go to church. Fast. Fellowship with other Christians. Falling off the ledge. That's what I would think when I was reading the word abide. That's what it said to me. If you'll do these things, you will abide in the Lord. And guess what? It does not mean that. That is a lie. It does not mean that. It has nothing to do. You know what it means? It means something that's so stupid and ridiculous we miss it. It means this. Depend on the Lord. Trust the Lord. Rest in what Jesus has done. If you will do that, something will happen to you. That's what it really means. It doesn't have anything to do with what we do. 
All he asked us to do was to abide in him. That's where I was going crazy. I couldn't figure out how to abide. I couldn't figure out, what does it mean to abide? I'm doing all this stuff, Lord. I'm reading the Bible. I'm praying. I'm even in the ministry, you know, because I want to be close to you and I want to abide in you. But none of it worked. It was always having a negative opposite effect on me. See, the thing is, the thought was, if I, if I do these things, if I do these things, where's the focus at? Ah, it's on me. It's what I do. It depends on me instead of depending on who? Yeah, instead of depending on him. I was not depending on him. I was depending on what I could do. If I'll do these things, then I will be real fruitful as a Christian. I will witness to people. I will have a good character. I will be a great preacher. And as you know, that didn't work out. Right? Just kidding. Well, recently I saw this. Uh, yeah, I'm just kidding. <laughs> recently I saw this program. It was about this eight or nine eight or nine hundred year old crime out in the Southwest Desert. And what had happened was these people were killed. These Indian Native Americans were murdered. And they, you know, through archaeological land, they discovered it, and they discovered it was a crime scene. There was a couple of them. And they were convinced what happened is these people came in and killed them and ate them. There was like, you know, they believed there was cannibalism that was taking place, which was sort of unusual. You know, so they were doing all these, and, and you know, it was all about the for, forensic science and studying how, you know, this is why we believe it. You know, one person's skull, they had obviously baked their skull and cracked it open and pulled the brain out and, and ate it. Well, here's what they were saying. That's sort of gross, isn't it? Let me really gross you out. Here's what they were saying. They were saying something like this. They talked about cannibalism. I didn't really, had never studied much about cannibalism. But here's what a lot of the cannibalism's all. That's not about hunger. I mean, although that does happen, but that's extreme situation. It's about this. Cannibals believe if you can eat a person, you can get their life force, their spirit in you. And whatever they could do, you could do. That's what cannibals believe. So think about it like this. Pretend John Crowley, let's just use John Crowley for an example. Pretend John Crowley wanted to be the best golfer in the world. Who would he go kill and eat? Tiger Woods. <laughs> See, he would go kill and eat Tiger Woods, and he would become, because he had Tiger Woods' life force in him, that then he could play golf like Tiger Woods. See, and I, when I was wondering, I thought, man, those cannibals have a revelation that we don't have. <laughs> they got a revelation. Now, we know if John eats Tiger Woods, he's going to get sick, right? He's not going to be the golfer that Tiger Woods is because we know that's ridiculous. But see, they saw something spiritual that we don't see because we, when we partake of Christ, we really do get His Spirit. His Spirit comes in us. And you see, when His Spirit comes in, it really is the things that He could do we can do because it really works like that on a spiritual realm. And that's where the cannibals got the ideal from. They got a spiritual truth somehow, but they twisted it, demonically twisted it, and went around and started eating people thinking, you know, they said they'd do it. They'd find out who the best fighter was on the other team. They would go bushwhack him and kill him and everybody would eat him thinking they could be the best fighter because this guy was the best fighter. They had a truth that was perverted. We have the truth. 
we have Christ in us. We have Him living in us. And when His life force, which is His Spirit in us, this is profound. This is profound. This will, this will change your life if you really latch on to it and really ask God to reveal it to your heart. I'm not just, but with Him in us, we can do everything that he, every, he ever did. We can live the life that He lived. And it has nothing to do with what we do. It has something to do because as we abide in Him and He abides in us, we automatically bear fruit. It happens. It has nothing to do with what we did. It has everything to do with what He is and who He is. So He is in me and all that He is is in me. And He's alive in me. And if He's the best golfer in the world, I could be the best golfer in the world. Do you hear what I'm saying? Are you all with me? This is the truth. I'm telling you, this is the gospel truth. When Paul said, the gospel of grace, I will commit you to God and the word of His grace, I'm telling you what it is. Because Paul had this revelation. Now, go back to Genesis, where your bookmarker is that you got out of your bulletin this morning that you're not going to throw away, and I'm not going to find it laying around in here because it costs $35 to get these made. And we won't waste $35, right, Dean? Just, I'm just kidding. Now here, we're going back now. Hold this thought. I can do, do all things through Christ. The pressure is off. Everybody go, <sighs> That's the way I felt recently. Spiritually, I felt, <sighs> I'm free. It's off of me. I really felt that. I felt all the pressure from my Christianity was taken off. I felt this great burden was removed from my shoulder. And it felt so good. That's why I got excited. I get excited talking about it because it felt so good. Because I don't have to do anything. I don't have to make God happy. He's already happy. I don't have to witness. I don't have to read the Bible. I don't have to do any of these things to do to, to accomplish nothing. It's already accomplished. It's a finished deal. It's a done deal. Oh, I'm thinking, oh, God, I've been working all my Christian life striving, trying to, trying to do right, trying to be spiritual, trying to grow, trying to be the Christian that I was looking in the Bible and see. And I realized, I don't have to do that no more. I'm free. I'm really free. I'm not just up here hopping around. I am truly free. And you can be that way. You can be that way. Remember I told you we ain't going to never get free in our style of worship, in our style of Christianity. You'll never get free. You could be the most mundane acting from the outside looking person in the world. You could sit still and never move. But you could be so free on the inside it would be absolutely dangerous. Or you could be just lively and emotional and exuberant, dancing to your heart's consent, but you'd be so full of bondage in you. Feeling like, i got to do this because that's the way you really do it, and that'll make God happy. It doesn't make Him happy. Are y'all with me? All right, listen to this. This is cool. Genesis 3.5. Um, <clears throat> this is the devil. Okay? Verse 4. Y'all remember the story how the devil went to eat and said, you know, eat the fruit. And Well, just let me just read this. I've never seen this before. Then the servant said to the woman, verse 4, Genesis 3, you will not surely die. Talking about eating the tree of knowledge of good and evil. But we just read that Jesus said, you're going to wither up. 
See, that was my problem. I want to tell you this. My problem was I was eating from that tree. I was eating from that tree, and I was withering away, and slowly but surely I was dying. Now, I was eating some from the tree alive, and that was just enough to keep me alive, you know? But I was really eating a lot from that tree of knowledge of good and it was killing me. It was destroying me. And I'll be honest with you. I don't, I'm surprised that some of you, that you've made it this far. Honestly, I am. I'm really surprised that you've hung in there with the Lord. Because you've ate from this tree so much, you're surprised you're not dead. I bet if we could see ourselves spiritually, we'd be thrown out on a daggone gurney somewhere life support on us. You know, God's keeping you alive because He loves you and He's merciful to you. But He said, you know, you will not die. That's the devil. He's lying. For God knows that in the day you eat of it, your eyes will be open and you will be, listen to this, you will be like God, knowing good. Now, this is, this is important. Listen, they were already like God. Okay? Now, I'm doing all these things, but when I saw it, I thought, wait a minute. Didn't the Lord say that? He said that back in Genesis chapter 1, verse 27. He says He created man and woman in His image. They were already like God. So the devil comes and makes this suggestion to her, you're lacking something. You need something you don't have. And she started believing it. So she ate this fruit, but she, it was a lie. She already had what she needed. She was already like God. They were already like God. They believed a lie, and then they ate from this tree, and their eyes really were surely opened, and they saw that they were naked. They had been naked the whole time. But before, they never even took a thought for themselves. They always was, you know, they had the Lord there. So that's where it all starts, that the devil comes to us and suggests something to us. I suggest to you that you are not as spiritual as the person sitting beside you. I suggest that to you. You hear me? Isn't that what he does? He don't say it like that. He's a little cooler about it. I suggest to you, you are not accepted in this church because you don't worship in a certain way. All that's from the devil. Every bit of that's from the devil. Because he's telling us something, he's suggesting something to us that we lack something that we really don't lack. Do you hear me? We really don't lack it. Because it has nothing to do with what I have and don't have anyway apart from Jesus. So what happens is they took their situation into their hand. Here's a, if you do these things, you can be like Christ. All right? This is the way it goes. Now, this is where we went wrong in the church. I'm going to tell you this. Let's just take somebody, for instance. Hey, let's use Angela. Come out here, Angela. Pretend you just got saved, Angela. You're just, just accepted the Lord. She's a brand new Christian. Now, let's decide what do we need to do to help Angela. She's a brand new Christian. Okay, Angela, this is what I want you to do. I want you to find you a good church to go to. I want you to read the Bible every day. You start with the Gospel of John. I want you to read that. And I want you to get up every morning and spend 45 minutes praying. And once a week on Fridays, I want you to fast. Okay, and I want you to find some other Christians at work. Tell them you're a Christian. I want you to hang around with them. Don't hang around with them other people you've been hanging around with. Okay? And Angela, if you will do that, you're going to grow. You're going to please God. God's going to be happy. So Angela says, oh boy. You can sit down now. I know what to do to please God. I'm going to read my Bible. I'm going to pray. I'm going to go to church. I'm going to fast. 
I'm going to hang around with all these other Christians, and God's going to be happy with me. I'm going to become Christ-like, and everything's going to be wonderful in my life. Ten years down the road, I run into Angela. How's your Christian life going, Angela? Well, you know, I'm on the worship team. You know, and I'm leading prayer in the church, and I'm doing Sunday school. Why aren't you happy? I'm miserable. I'm unhappy with this thing you call Christianity. I wish I never signed on. I wish I just got saved and went on to heaven. Because we have put something in people and told them, if you, if you, if you will do these things, then God will be happy with you. And that is a lie from hell. I disagree with it. And that is not in the Bible. I don't have to read the Bible. I'm hollering because I'm excited. <laughs> Here's a great example. The prayer of Jabez. Everybody remember that? Great prayer. All right. We got us a prayer. <laughs> We're going to pray this thing every day for a year, and our lives will be changed. It didn't work. You know why it didn't work? This is the truth. Old Jabez was one whack guy. He just got up one day and prayed it, and, and God blessed him. And did all that stuff in his life. Had nothing to do with a formula. And I think the prayer of Jabez is a wonderful prayer. Because it's in the Bible. It's obviously a wonderful prayer. But it's no formula to get God to bless you and enlarge you and empower you and keep you from evil. It doesn't work. It's not going to work. Let me tell you, if it would work, I mean, I can tell you all kinds of stuff. I've tried them all. In my quest to know God, in my quest to be spiritual, in my quest for a journey for fulfillment and happiness, I have spent my life, my Christian life, seeking that thing. I could never find it. Because I had the cart before the horse. And that's the truth. We've got the cart before the horse. If I do, God will do. And God is saying, no, I've already done. All you've got to do is connect in with what I've already done. you just got to believe what I've done. Now, that's the truth. Let me just uh, show you this. Well, first, let me just tell you this about jealousy. And this is sort of off the subject. But you know how people are jealous about stuff. Y'all know about that? Anybody know about jealousy? 